showcasing beloved favorites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Ramsgate in Kent, England, I am your host, Jason Drury, wishing you a very warm welcome back to the second part of its latest edition of the Archive Show on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Before we continue, of course, as always, it's a big hello to our listeners at cinematicsound.net and wherever you get great podcasts that correctly and rightly feature this show. It's great to have you join us once again. And if you're listening to this program through Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, on your iPhone, whatever, please take the time to rate and review the show. It really helps get the archive show noticed and also introduces new listeners 
to the program. As you may also know, we now have a new Merc store where you can buy an archive logo t-shirt or a t-shirt featuring any of your other favorite cinematic sound radio network programs, as well as hundreds of other items, including some limited edition apparel. Ooh. To see the swag on offer, please go to TeePublic. The link is strategically placed on the webpage. Now this is part two of episode 25 of the show, if you're keeping count. And if you haven't listened to part one of the show yet, as always, I admire your rebellious attitude. Later in the show, we'll have music from yet another release of Michael Kamen's score for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Don't worry, it's not the same suite from Archive 6. Hang on a minute, it's an idea. Would we stoop that low? Maybe. Also, we have more music from the four-disc La La Land release from the classic 1960s sci-fi series Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea with a suite from an episode composed by Leif Stevens. Music from the cult Roger Coleman-produced 1975 classic Death Race 2000 with a newly recorded suite by the composer Paul Shahara. And we round off this edition of the Archive as we started part one with music by John Powell. This time in collaboration with Harry Gregson-Williams as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of the classic Aardman animation film Chicken Run. But we started part two of the show with the main title from Wild Wild West, the 1999 steampunk western action comedy film co-produced and directed by Barry Sonnefield, loosely based on the Wild Wild West, the 1960s television series created by Michael Garrison, of whom the music was the very first thing I played on the very first archive show, even when I did not know it was going to be called The Archive Show. All those years ago, in 2017. <sighs> Good times. The film stars Will Smith and Kevin Klein in a dual role as two US Secret Service agents who work together in order to protect the US President Ulysses S. Grant and the United States from all manner of dangerous threats from the American Old West. The film featured a supporting cast consisting of Kenneth Branagh, not Kenneth Branagh, he wasn't, he's not a Klingon, you know, Simon Halleck, Ted Levine and M. Emmett Walsh. He may be though, I have to check. Have you seen him, have you seen him do his parole recently? That big moustache he's got. I've heard he had his own wardrobe supervisor. Yeah, but, but I digress. Released theatrically in the United States on June 30th, 1999 by Warner Brothers, it was produced on a $170 million budget, making it the most expensive film ever made when adjusting for inflation at the time of release. It was a commercial disappointment, grossing only $113.8 million domestically and nearly $109 million overseas. Seamless drop-in. Nobody would notice. And I forgot to say dollars. My God, this guy's good. For a worldwide total of 222.1 million, if you are adding it up. At the 20th Golden Raspberry Awards, the film was nominated eight times, and it won five, including Worst Picture and Worst Original Song for 
Wild Wild West by Will Smith. Now, as in many occasions, one of the better aspects of this flop was the score, which was composed by veteran Western composer Elmer Bernstein and follows the traditional Western genre's symphonic tradition, while at times acknowledging the film's anachronistic playfulness by employing a more contemporary music style with notable rock percussion and the use of electronic organ. The score also briefly incorporates Richard Markovitz's theme from the television series in 1Q. Ironically, this is one of the few elements to be faithful to the original television series, which also didn't give Markovitch credit for the theme. However, working on this film, the at the time 78-year-old Bernstein was contending with the new reality of computer-generated effects and a constantly changing cut of the film. And about halfway through working on the picture, Bernstein called for his son Peter for help. Peter Bernstein finally wrote about 30% of the finished product, as after 10 years orchestrating for his father, he knew how to be him to a certain extent, and for his efforts was given an additional music credit, eventually scoring most of the film's latter half, utilising his father's thematic material. This would be Emma Bernstein's final score for the West. Despite having a final Academy Award nomination still to come for his music for Far From Heaven, the experience working on Wild Wild West made him weary of the way film scoring had changed in the five decades where he was a prominent name. His filmography had such classics in the genre like The Magnificent Seven, The Common Sheroes, The Sons of Katie Elder, True Grit and The Shootist amongst its 257 film score credits. And by ending the film with the score's typically rousing main theme, one of the greatest composers in history of the Western genre finally rolled into the sunset. So here now is more music from the 1999 comedy Western adventure Wild Wild West, with original score composed and conducted by Elmer Bernstein, with additional music composed by Peter Bernstein.
was music from the 1999 comedy western adventure Wild Wild West, with original score composed and conducted by Emma Bernstein, with additional music composed by Peter Bernstein. The original soundtrack recording has recently been released as an expanded deluxe edition from Varese Saraband Records. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Now, as you may know, this show doesn't have a habit of repeating itself. I repeat, this show doesn't have a habit of repeating itself. But sometimes we do have to make the odd exception. Music from the 1991 film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which came out as an expanded version, a two-disc set by Intrada Records in February 2018, has now recently been released as an even bigger extended version, this time as a four-disc set. The film, directed by Kevin Reynolds and starring Kevin Cosner in the title role, Morgan Freeman, Christian Slatter, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, and with one of the great film-stealing performances of all time, the BAFTA award-winning Alan Rickman as the Sheriff of Nottingham. The score at 110 minutes in length is one of Cameron's longest, a lengthy work composed on a large scale with a very large orchestra, with the assistance of 15, yes, 15 orchestrators. The two main themes of this film are iconic. The main title theme, also known as the Robin Hood theme, is one of the most familiar pieces of film music ever. The love theme is equally well known, particularly as Brian Adams' single version stayed at number one in the UK charts for an amazing 16 weeks, seven weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 in the United States, and nine weeks atop the Canadian singles chart. So we won't be hearing much of that. My opinions of the score since 2018 have not changed. It's a classic old-fashioned symphonic score which sadly 27 years down the line is a rare occurrence these days. Dramatic, exciting, intense, lyrical, what more can you say? If Eric Korngold had heard it I'm sure he would have given it his seal of approval. Now as I said then way back in 2018 the total score for Ordinary Prince of Thieves clocked in at 110 minutes. But the album that came out that year did not have the complete score. Now, here in 2020, we do not only have finally the complete score of Ordinary Prince of Thieves, but nearly an entire disc of extras, alternate takes everything you could think of, every piece of music more or less that Michael Kamen composed and recorded for this film. It is an absolute treasure trove of one of the greatest scores from the 1990s from a composer who is still sadly missed. Now we featured a major suite of this score in 2018. So to hear that go to archive show number six and you will be in for a musical treat. For this show, we are featuring just one piece which starts from the opening credits and continues for 11 minutes and features one of the pieces missing from the 2018 release of Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. From the sequence in Robin Hood, 
has just escaped from his captors in Jerusalem and plays on to the point when he arrives back in England and lands on the shore of Dover. The queue is entitled And His Merry Men and it's another showcase of Michael Kamen's music at its very best. So here now is the letter Robin's Hand and His Merry Men and Home from the 2020 4 CD set of the score for the 1991 film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. The original music composed and conducted by Michael Kamen.
That was an 11 minute piece comprising of four cues. The letter, Robin's hand and his merry men and home from the 2024 disc release of the original score of Robin Hood Prince of Thieves with original music composed and conducted by Michael Kamen. This set, one of the film's soundtrack releases of the year, is available from Intrada Records. Now we can all wait quietly for another release of the Blue Max. The home for beloved favourites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. And if you had heard part one of this edition of the archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, I played music from the new La La Land 4 disc set from the classic 1960s Owen Allen produced television series Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. And in particular the season two episode Jonah and the World of Music composed by Jerry Goldsmith which featured the new season two theme for the series which was rejected after that episode. But as always, these sets give you access to work from other composers who worked on the series who you may not be so familiar with. Besides Paul Sotel who wrote the main theme, there is there was Lenny Hayton who appropriately conducted his scores wearing a sailor's hat, Alexander Courage, Nelson Riddle, Robert Dranson, Herman Steen, Joseph Mullendore, and one who scored nine episodes of the series and was no stranger to the science fiction genre, Leif Stevens. Juilliard-trained Stevens began scoring radio shows in the 1930s and movies during the 1940s. He helped introduce jazz music to film with his score for Syncopation in 1942 and later Marlon Brando's The Wild One. During the 50s, he became one of the most effective and distinctive composers for science fiction with schools, including Destination Moon, When Worlds Collide, and perhaps his most famous score, War of the Worlds. As well as scoring for Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Lee Stevens scored episodes for three other Erwin Allen-produced series, Lost in Space, The Time Tunnel, and Land of the Giants. For his music for Voyage, Stevens featured sharp passages for high-muted brass, shifting to trombone or horn as a way to capture the nautical aspect of the series, with his bright trumpet themes often scoring the surface shots of the sea view, while horns and trombone indicated the movement from sunlit surface to the depths of the ocean. His music was sleek and modernistic, his action music exciting, and Stevens excelled at creating mechanistic music that reflected the show's gadgetry and science fiction elements. Now, the score we're going to feature today that features music by Leif Stevens is from season four of the series entitled Blow Up. In this episode, Admiral Nelson starts behaving very oddly after using an experimental breathing apparatus. The score opens with a powerful fanfare of Paul Sotel's main theme, 
Then, after the accident that exposes Nelson to the gas, Stevens premieres a new arrangement of Paul Sattel's theme music, with ringing orchestral chords accenting the familiar sea view sonar ping and sonar screen animation of the opening title sequence, ending with a thumping reiteration of the new theme's arrangement of the opening orchestral tones. Recording the new theme gave Stevens the opportunity to utilise a bigger orchestral ensemble than he was used to for other episodes from the series, giving the score a more cinematic feel than normal. It is a score full of suspense, exciting action writing and some very tense fight music, and ends with one of the composer's distinctive chordal payoffs as the psychodrama finally reaches its conclusion. So here now is music from the Season 4 episode of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, entitled Blow Up, with original score composed and conducted by Leif Stevens, the main theme composed by Paul Sattel. <laughs>
was music from the season 4 episode of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, entitled Blow Up, with original score composed and conducted by Leif Stevens. The main theme composed by Paul Sotel. This score is part of a new four-disc set of music from the classic series, recently released by La La Land Records. And if you are a fan of 1960s TV music like me, it is a must purchase. Unearthing the hidden treasures of film music's past, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Next up is music from a cult classic, Death Race 2000, the 1975 science fiction sports film produced by Roger Coleman, Directed by Bob Partell and starring David Carradine, Simon Griffith and in one of his early roles, Sylvester Stallone. The movie takes place in a dystopian future 2000 in which a murderous road race has become the national sports attraction. Now the composer for the music of Death Race 2000 was Paul Shahara. Shahara's career has been shared equally within two worlds, that of the classical concert stage and that of scoring Hollywood films and television. He gained his interest in music at the age of five when he spent three years interned in a Japanese relocation camp during World War II with his family. Living in Seattle in the later 1940s, he discovered movies, big band and classical music, and decided he wanted to become a musician. He proceeded to acquire the training to do so by studying with renowned music teacher Nadia Bellagia in Paris and taking further studies at the Hochschule Musik in Berlin, getting a world-class musical training that launched his career as a classical composer. In 1966, Yahawa began working as a professor of music at UCLA, where, in the 1970s, he helped create one of the first electronic music studios in Los Angeles. At the same time, he became one of Zubin Mentor's advisors, working with him and the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Shahara's road to Hollywood came seamlessly out of nowhere in 1976. Shahara met with Roger Corman and learned of a film called Death Race 2000, which Corman was producing. Here, Shahara recalls that meeting. Quote, Roger gave me a cheque for $1,000 to do the electronic effects, and I said, Mr. Corman, I can do the effects for you, but I bet I can do the entire score. And Roger's eyes lit up. I'll never forget it. Okay, give it a try, he said. That was the beginning of my film career. Unquote. In a space of three weeks or so, Sahara created a score that was half analog electronic music and half classical string trio with saxophone. When I composed this score, I sort of improvised it, Sahara explained. I wrote a good tune, and then I wrote another good tune, and then I wrote a little fugue based on those tunes, and that was it. I used these elements to write cues. I didn't write the cues for any particular scene. I wrote a fight cue. I wrote a chase cue. I wrote a love cue. And then I recorded them with my friends. And some of those cues I did with analog synthesizers. Now the original recordings for this score for Death Race 2000 have been lost to time. But the composer has recreated the score quite authentically as part of the CD release, the Paul Shahara Collection Number no. 4, released by Dragon Domain Records. 
The reconstruction turned out to be easier than I thought it would be, Sahara said during the interview for the release. For one thing, I remember the score very well, and I had the lead sheets for all the principal themes. Aside from the analogue electronic music, the live music score for Death Race 2000 had been performed by trusted friends. I had the best players in town because they were all my best friends for my classical work. Now Sahara recreated the sound of the original score by using exactly the same ensemble we had for the original, from the analogue synths to the live ensemble. The original score was not a string quartet. I couldn't afford four players, Shihara explained. I had four strings, but it wasn't a string quartet. I had a string trio, violin, viola, cello, and one stand-up bass, for which I used with the keyboard and drums to form a standard jazz ribbon section. The bass was never part of the string trio in any of the cues. Now, Shihara's original Death Race orchestra included Harvey Patel on saxophone, Ralph Gershin on keyboard, Kenny Watson on percussion, Catherine Linsky, the violinist, and her husband, Paul Polovnik, on viola, with the incredible Buell Nellinger on bass. I don't remember who played cello or guitar on the original recording, but they all sounded great, recalled Shihara. Since he wasn't able to get them all together for a session, Shahara recorded them separately and in pairs and mixed the performances together. For his rescore, Shahara brought in equally prominent friends from his classical connections. Quote, Tony Bennett's faithful accompanist, Lee Musica, played piano. The legendary John Moses was my saxophonist in New York. My Hollywood assistant, Jennifer Fagwa, created the string parts both digitally and by performing violin and viola. My New York assistant Colton Dodd medically recreated the electronic chases and other musical effects. And my recording engineer in New York was my old colleague from my days on Broadway and in New York, Don DiNocchio. Death Face 2000 is a movie I'm very fond of and I still like the score. Recreating it was a lot of fun because I got to relive these moments." Unquote. So here now is music from the 1975 science fiction film Death Race 2000, with original score composed by Paul Shihara.
That was music from the 1975 science fiction film Death Race 2000 with original score composed by Paul Shahara. This reconstruction of the original soundtrack recording, supervised by the composer himself, is available as part of the recent release, the Paul Shahara Collection Volume 4 by Dragon Domain Records. Now sadly we've come to the end of the second part of this latest edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. We started part one with a score composed wonderfully by John Powell, How to Train Your Dragon. We end part two with a score co-composed by John Powell, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year and has a sequel in the works. Chicken Run from 2000, the stop-motion animation comedy film produced by Ardman Animations in partnership with the American studio DreamWorks Animation and French studio Pafé. It was Ardman's first feature-length film and was directed by Peter Lord and Nick Park from a screenplay by Kerry Kirkpatrick from a story by Lord and Park. The film featured the voices of Judah Suwala, Mel Gibson, Tony Haygarth, Randa Richardson, Phil Daniels, Lynn Ferguson, Timothy Spall, Imelda Staunton and Benjamin Whitwell. The film is a comedy drama set on a Yorkshire chicken farm in 1950s England. It follows a turbulent romance between Rocky the Rooster and Ginger the Chicken, both of whom yearn for freedom and are planning a daring prisoner of war style escape. Both chickens are tired of being repressed and know they face an eventual certain death. So in planning their escape, they rally with their fellow chickens. Now Chicken Run, to be blunt, is a great escape with foul. But derivative as it sounds, the end result was pure comedy gold. The score composers were John Powell and Harry Gregson Williams. The score has themes abound. Quirky and invented orchestrations are the norm and good old-fashioned fun virtually tumbling from the orchestra's performance. The main theme was plucked from the grand tradition of the British war movie, a pompous, full-throated brass march that one Goodwin would have been proud to call his own. And then there is a superb secondary motif, which forms the cornerstone and the stuffing of the score's action material. The sheer weight of music, the varying styles and tempos, and the orchestral motifs which appear and vanish just as quickly, all make Chicken Run an exciting, stimulating listening experience. But the most impressive element of this orchestration are the things that Powell and Gregson Williams do with kazoos. It's nothing less than inspired. There's not just one kazoo buzzing away on its own it's a whole darn section of kazoos also you will lose count of the number of unexpected instruments that the composers work into the orchestra as well as kazoos there's cymbalum harmonicas kung fu pastiches railing bagpipes and much more besides also there's a whole ream of intentional homages to other scores and composers. John Powell went on to score, amongst others, the Bourne series, Solo, 
And as you heard in part one, the wonderful How to Train Your Dragon films. Harry Gregson Williams went on to score, amongst others, Kingdom of Heaven, The Martian, and more recently, the live action remake of Disney's Milan. Hearing this timeless score again shows why these British composers are still very much in demand in Hollywood. 20 years down the line. So, to end part two of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network, here now is a far from paltry suite from the 2000 animated adventure film Chicken Run, with original score composed by John Powell and Harry Gregson Williams, with the orchestra conducted by Gavin Greenaway. The original soundtrack recording was released on RCA Records. Thank you so much for joining us. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to both parts of this latest episode. And until I dig up more items for the Cinematic Sound Radio Network's archive show, from me, Jason Drury, is take care and happy listening.
Thank you for listening to the archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I would like to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice on the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, Derek Cosina for providing the archive's intro music, and Eric Woods for letting me loose on his station. If you have any comments, questions and concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sin Sound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show. I want a brief review. Reviews help present potential new listeners to the show. And while you're at it, head over to T Public to get an archived t-shirt. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net.